Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, this is going to be a long one. There is a ton of stuff going on. And just within, again, the last day or so, it feels like there's just more and more being revealed, almost too quickly to even cover. Please understand that I have considered stretching this show into a five day a week thing. I've considered that. But I'm sticking with three days a week, and I'm, I, I think I'm just going to keep sticking with three days a week because, uh, I don't know, it, it, it gives me the time that I need to research the things that I need to research and look things up and, and bring as much information to you as I possibly can in just one episode, as opposed to, again, sort of making it a little more monotonous and stretching it out into being a five-day-a-week thing. I think people would be less likely to listen to it if that was the case. Um, I've just noticed, again, the frequency of other, of other shows, and I don't know. That's just kind of my take right now. So as of right now, this is going to remain a three-day-a-week deal. The episodes themselves individually might become just slightly longer, although that, of course, depends on a variety of things. But I'm glad that I invited individuals to email me about a variety of things because it occurred. And uh, thank you for emailing me, and I plan on reading those in this episode right here at the very top. There's a lot of jab-related stuff, too, that I want to bring up, and of course, a lot of education-related things, including a lot of misinformation uh, with the subject of education, even by these uh, pseudo-Republican-slash-conservative outlets. Um, They are downplaying the mass exodus that is taking place right now among public school attendees and the increase in homeschooling. They're downplaying it. They're admitting that it's occurring, but they're not telling the full story. So I'll get to that a little bit later uh, as well. First of all, I'll start by saying this. And again, some of these emails that I received, of course, are jab-related, and some are education-related and back and forth, but I'm definitely going to go through them. First of all, however, you may recall And again, I'll say this too, just sort of as an addition. I do recommend watching the war videos that I put out on BitChute, on my BitChute channel, only because there are some things that there, excuse me, in particular in the videos that I I don't necessarily get around to on, on this show. Same thing is true in my Gab account. Sometimes I'll put things on my Gab account that, uh, that I don't necessarily hit on within the show. I try, I try to, but I, it doesn't always cross my mind, and sometimes I just forget, uh, even if I write it down. So th- there was a, a particular video, TikTok video, bouncing around this past week of a guy who he looks like he's college age or, or even slightly older than that, but he says that back in 2013, he participated in an mRNA study with roughly over 200,000 participants. And since then, as of now, uh, the over 200,000 participants are all dead, except for five people, according to this guy's doctor. And of all of the participants that participated, all of them had their hearts stop, including this guy who's made a couple of videos about it. And again, all of those videos are on both my War videos on BitChute and the uh, the Gab account, my Gab page. Um, he's got the scars to prove it. 
And then, of course, he describes how the results of that study get deleted and buried and eliminated because they don't want those results of that study to to be released. This messenger RNA stuff has been around for a while now, and they've been testing it again on countless people. This is not going to get better. This will get worse. And with every passing day, of course, there seem to be more individuals talking about their ill effects or even, again, in this guy's case, his past experience with the trials, the human trials, so to speak. We're talking again, way before 2020. So his posts are believable. I have no reason to believe he's lying under any circumstance. Um, Again, I know that individuals would say that's anecdotal. Look, why would a person make up such a specific thing that has to do with them and then take their shirt off with the scars to show exactly what occurred? He said he had open heart surgery, lost part of his colon, and had at least two strokes. Maybe even three, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Yeah. So this is happening. It's happened in the past. Fortunately, he's still around to be able to tell people that he participated in a previous study, and who knows, if that continues to wake up people, so be it. But I just wanted to mention that at the top, and again, if you're interested in him briefly talking about that, you can bounce over to those, uh, to those pages, American Education FM, at American Education FM, and you can check those out. Okay, first of all, now into some of these uh, other comments from, from listeners. This first one came on my BitChute page, which again is a great place to leave comments if you're interested. Um, I'll, I, I do read them because again, coming from a background of qualitative reasoning and analysis, this kind of stuff always fascinates me. And th- these backgrounds and these stories uh, fascinate me, and they always will. This comes from Monday's episode, if I'm not mistaken, and it's from Eternal Server Error. And I hope that they're listening, and I hope it's okay that I read this, because I'm going to read this. Again, it's public record, so it's already in the, in the comments section. But uh, this is interesting. It says, quote, Quick story in the demise of the jabbed. My dad, 82 years old, died in April of this year, triple jabbed. Can I prove it was the jab? No. However, the oncologist at Beth Israel Hospital in Boston or on Boston said that has never seen a liver with that many cancerous lesions. Two weeks earlier, he was of perfect color, energy, and no issues. The oncologist said that the cancer had come on like wildfire. In February of this year, my mom went into the hospital after collapsing in the house. She was in physical therapy for about 10 weeks and now had to be transferred to an assistant living facility. She's 82 years old also. Can I prove it was the shot? No. Able to drive clean truck shop, shower herself, and, sorry, shower herself, uh, toilet herself also, and now can do nothing of the sort. The, The cognitive decline is dizzying. My brother and sister, as well as myself, are convinced that multiple jabs considered to these issues. 
my dad had a scan when he first got into the hospital, and it showed that he had about half a dozen lesions on his liver. Ten days later, his liver was so covered in lesions, they couldn't find a part of his liver that didn't have any. I told them not to do it. Told them about the technology and how it killed everything that had a shot with that junk into it. Mice, rabbits, rats, ferrets. Everything died, and they still did it anyway. I work in an office with roughly 15 other people. Everybody is jabbed except for me. Out of the 14 people that are jabbed, three of them are getting back-to-back illnesses all summer and spring. I do feel they have the equivalent of AIDS. And they said, sorry for the spelling corrections. They said, thank you for another great podcast. Just read that New Orleans is requiring five-year-old and and older to be jabbed in order to attend. I assume that's school. Um, What damn planet are these people living on? The info is now hitting the mainstream. The dying and sick can't be hidden, at least not all of them, unquote. Again, thank you for for sharing. I'm sorry for for the loss. Again, the walls are closing in, it seems, and it, and it continues to be the case, I think, with everyone, certainly within my own family as well. There will be a time again where I'll be able to get into that more specifically, and I will bring it up more specifically in the future. Uh, I've been staying away from it for a variety of reasons thus far, but uh, trust me, I, I, I will get into it, and I do, I do understand what's going on here. And uh, yeah... But, you know, I, I come from a school of thought that's pretty simple. If you hear a bark in, an, in the distance, it's a dog. It's that simple. If you hear something bark, it's a dog. And this is just becoming too obvious for, for too many of us. The unfortunate part, and again, you've heard me say this, that this is a very difficult part for those of us who are awake. And we're only awake by the grace of God. I mean, he chose us to be awake. He blessed us with a curious mind and a questioning mind and an untrusting mind, and that's why we are where we are right now. But, you know, in just driving around the university campus where I live, I'm watching these individuals walk around and they're smiling and they're skipping and they're doing whatever they're doing within this really horrific environment on a nice sunny day. And I'm saying to myself as I'm as I'm driving around, just again giving it the eyeball test on on the numbers of people that are here, and there are people coming back to this university, to Miami University, but of course not in droves. Certainly not the way that it was when I was a student, and you've heard me say that before. And I'm going to keep giving it the eyeball test, in particular here uh, today on Friday, and and uh, the days following because I want to be able to put my eyes and brain to what I'm actually seeing. Yes, there are people who are coming back, but they don't know what they're coming back to. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part to visualize because you're watching these people quite literally live in the matrix. They're bouncing around the matrix on a particular dimension of thinking. And yet here I am and here you are listening to this and experiencing, I'm certain, the same kinds of things. You're, you're, you're seeing these individuals operate one-dimensionally and that you're at a higher level of dimensional thinking. And, and you're looking at them and you know that they have no idea. That is so maddening 
that um, it is only by the grace of God that we that we are on the dimension that that we are on. And um, I'm not sure what else I can add. I'll say this too, just as an aside before I get in, into these other emails, which are remarkable. Uh, I've always found grocery store stories to be some of the most entertaining, in particular over the last two years, two and a half years. The stories that people have from grocery stores and the way that grocery store employees or the other patrons are behaving is astounding. Same thing with the big box stores, and you've heard me mention those stories before. My mom told me a story again just the other day that uh, it just blew me away, both economically speaking and then at the exact same time jab-related, but then the casual nature in which this employee is talking about both things. So long story short, my mom tells me that she goes in for a particular food, and then she goes in and she recognizes, and this, by the way, is something that I think everybody should pay attention to, that grocery stores, in particular Kroger's, uh, is purposefully manipulating the prices of their products, and they are not the same across at least three outlets where they're advertising or showing or marking up their prices. So they are quite literally taking advantage of all of their customers because they're assuming that the customers aren't going to notice the difference. And let's not kid ourselves, the vast majority of these customers aren't going to notice these differences in prices, which means you're being robbed right to your face and you don't even know it. So the price of an item will be one way in their, in their flyer that shows sale prices. Then you go into the store. And the price is different. My mom's telling me all of this. The, the price is different on the actual shelf that's holding the item. And then you take it. It's higher on the shelf. And then you take it to the self-checkout. And it's even higher than that. So you're being robbed more than, more than once, at least twice, when it comes to these items. And Kroger's as a company and the employees themselves don't seem to care. So she's noticed this, she's told me, on multiple occasions now. Because again, most people show up not to shop, per se, quote unquote. They show up to buy. They know that they want an item, they go and get it, they scan it, and then they're not even paying attention to what it costs. They just pump their money in, and then out it comes. I'm guilty of the exact same thing. I think we all are. We go in for a particular thing. We go, whatever. I don't care what it costs. I just need it. And then you get it and whatever else. Without paying attention to the price differential from a, a, you know, a coupon flyer to the shelf to the self-checkout line or even the regular checkout line with a human being. Um, what, what, what ended up happening was my mom's looking at this item and she's going, wait a minute, the shelf, here, the shelf price here doesn't match the, the, the flyer price. It's higher. And, so, and she's already done this before and gone up to customer service and said, look, you owe me money because it, it, it was, the price was different both on the shelf and then, of course, at the actual self-checkout. And they give her her money back which is amazing. Just change the price. But anyway, she, she makes note of this for this particular item and she gets an employee to come over and she says, look, she says, the, 
the price is different here and your flyer is uh is saying that it's less the employee looks at my mom and says uh well do you have the flyer on you and she says well no but i just got it today in the mail and you should have one laying around here it is kroger's after all i'm in the store um you know you should have one and this is what it is the employee looks back at my mom and says well, it's only $2 more. Just like that. It's only $2 more. So that's the casual nature in which these companies think about you and think about money. They don't care that it's only $2 more because if you're getting two of that item, well, then it's $4 more. If you're getting three, it's so on and so forth. You, you, you get the math. You know the thing. <laughs> to sound like Joe Biden. But but you get what I'm saying, that they don't care that there's a price increase. They don't, they don't care that the economy is purposely being destroyed. I mean, it's only $2 more. So my mom just stares at her, just stares at her with this perplexed look like, what the hell are you talking about? Do you not know what's going on? And the answer, of course, to that is yes. My mom operates at a far higher dimension than this person, and this person wasn't getting it. And then my mom kept staring at her, she said, and then she said that the employee looked at her and said, well, and then here came the excuses, and these were interesting and telling. She said the employee looked at her and said, the person who normally does these and, and fixes these prices on the shelf uh, their their mother their mother is sick, and uh, something along those lines. Th their mother is sick, or or their yeah their mother was sick. I think was the story. And then she said, and then the customer service person who's in charge of customer service is out because they're uh, receiving rotator cuff surgery or something along those lines. And then she looked at my mom and said, and the person who uh, the employee who backs her up and fills in for her has had a minor stroke. So she's not here either. Again, my mom said she was just staring at her. And again, economically, didn't care about the money. Didn't care that, oh, it's just a couple of extra dollars. Well, you can spend that couple extra dollars on a thousand other things. Not to mention, it's misleading and you're stealing from people. Second of all, you have three employees out, all of which are health-related, and at least one of them is a stroke. Now, didn't Kroger's tell all their employees to get jabbed? I mean, Kroger's is complicit in the murder of their own employees. And if your grocery store is anything like Kroger's, Kroger's used the opportunity of those quote-unquote lockdowns back in 2020 to flood their grocery stores with self-checkout aisles, many of which, I might add, they never even use. They, they exist, they are there, they're turned on, but they're not operational for people to use. It's the old just-in-case, just-in-case we start losing more employees. Just in case the human bodies start dropping, we can turn on the machines, and then the machines will do the job of the human. 
This is happening in lots of lots of lines of work. But again, it's very depressing to just see these individuals operate on a 1D level and they aren't making any of the connections whatsoever. So there's that. But then again, it's just an anecdote, so you know, <laughs> I can. It's just it's just some story, so who cares? Well, here's a few more that act, that also matter because all of this matters. This was sent to me by our previous guest from Louisiana, the Louisiana educator, who uh, again is 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 dropping dimes here as to what's going on. And again, a lot of the quote unquote safety meetings that that they were in, and all this other quote unquote professional development is absolutely nuts. But here's an email that they sent me just the other day, and I wanted to read it here. It says, quote, First off, one has to believe that, there's actually, that there actually is a pandemic. And then the eyes up emoji, the annoyed face. It says, but since you've gone ahead and read off those CDC guidelines, oh, by the way, you had me cracking up as I drove listening on my commute, and maybe this isn't what you were asking. So feel free and keep any of it or all of it to yourself. They said, in response to your question from the previous episode, just don't freaking get tested. If you're sick or feeling bad, you do not have to tell them that you are sick or anything much less COVID. For goodness sake, just say that you have food poisoning or you pulled a muscle. Just say anything besides feeding into that bullshit rhetoric that's been pushed down our throats since 2020. It's all doublespeak, and it will never go away as long as people play along. It will always be an option to pull out of their handy-dandy notebook, quote-unquote, of culling the flock. They will implement anything to further their agenda. It may all depend on what actually does happen in death numbers as to what their next move is. And then she said, this is my strongest opinion. Personally, I just don't believe that the given numbers of vaccinated people and those who are boosted are real. Why would it be? They've lied to us about everything else, period. Initially, a lot of local people did take the first dose, but I'm not hearing of many people being boosted, much less taking their second required dose. I live in a very rural parish. Our school district has one big city, two towns, and the rest are just communities in rural areas. For the most part, the majority of us really just have been living our best life without their permission, unjabbed, not tested, not masking, not sick. Louisiana people are too social to stay away from one another, so certainly no social distancing or quarantining. However, if the numbers are accurate, it is logical to think that as the jabbed continue to die off, the unjabbed will ultimately be safe. That is, if the unvaccinated remain pure bloods, healthy, and awake. Is this the concept survival of the fittest, quote-unquote, actually playing out right before our eyes? Maybe that's too heavy of a thought, and it does sadden me because we'll lose people we love, but I find strength and comfort in knowing that ultimately we will be okay. This is my third position. I'm thinking about it nationwide and not so personally. I wonder if they are just lulling us into some sense of normalcy, knowing a red wave is coming in November. Maybe they're hoping we forget about everything so we don't address and change laws that would specifically limit powers. 
Not that they ever had any of those powers, nor the right to enforce any of this bullshit, I don't know. Now my questions. Number one, have enough people learned that mandates are not laws? Number two, have enough people realized and seized the power of the Constitution in their local government? Number three, have enough people realized the overbearing, bullying power of the federal government and all of these alphabet organizations? Organizations that are not mentioned in the Constitution. Organizations that are not elected nor protected by the Constitution. Number four, have enough people learned how our government was intended to work and where the true power is held? Number five, have enough people learned? In my opinion, the next big it will be the litmus test for this country. Unquote. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and to expand on that, just a little bit, or at the very least, make a comparison. That's basically what the last Substack was was briefly about. The last Substack article was very similar in that regard because, again, I was making a, a I would say, a one-dimensional and even multi-dimensional, rather, comparison to Stockholm syndrome and the bank heist in Sweden that gave birth to the phrase Stockholm syndrome. Even. Um, Samantha Sorbo commented on that article below the Substack, and and she's right. And I've spoken about that before and written about it before. That it's even more akin to just the cycle of abuse. See, see what makes what's going on at the K twelve level and university level a multi dimensional Stockholm syndrome is that the universities themselves are the are the brainwashed hostages, and they don't even know that. So the individuals that might believe that they are the captors, they're, they're in fact not. They, they too are the hostages. The presidents of these universities that are just defaulting to what the CDC says or the NIH says, this is, this is the issue. And and really, this is the entire M.O. of globalism. The entire M.O. is to get the individual to not be an individual, to not individually think, but to rely on the company or what the masses say. And again, you've heard me say that if everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. That, of course, comes from General George Patton. And that's the same wavelength here. Uh, People are prisoners and they don't know that they themselves are prisoners because they think that they're actually in charge. And of course, with the CDC changing everything that they're changing now on a regular basis and saying, well, we're going to have a reset at the CDC. Well, who cares what their reset is? They're always wrong about everything. They've been lying about everything. All they're doing now is openly admitting that they're going to change their propaganda techniques. Because people aren't buying it anymore. So they've got to, you know, they have to give off the illusion, so to speak, that they're actually changing something when in fact they aren't. Just like the quote-unquote removal of their guidelines, as I went over in the last episode, they're not really removing any guidelines. They're just passing the buck. Said the same thing in the Substack article. It's the, it's the, same, it's the same illusion. It's the same illusion of, of ultimately coming to the truth. They're never going to admit that they were wrong. 
even though they've already said that, well, we, we made some mistakes and we've gotten some things wrong. Well, wait a minute. You've, you've gotten people killed. There's a difference. And I don't think that lawsuits are the answer here. Again, I'm an abolitionist on, on many issues, and this is one of them. They have to be abolished. They, the CDC needs to cease to exist. They're a criminal organization. Because look at everybody who's been following these criminal organizations. And what does that say about those institutions in particular, all the education institutions? If you follow a criminal organization, what does that make you? Blows me away. But thank you for the email. Fantastic. Great points. Here's the next one. Uh, this, is, this is incredible too. Um, I'm going to leave this individual anonymous as well, but they know who they are. And again, thank you for, for sending this. This is quite the story, ladies and gentlemen, so buckle up. It says, quote, Sean, I listen often to the show. I caught a show a number of weeks ago that is just now making me realize some things that have recently happened in my life. I've been dating a nurse who is a manager of her department and has been for a number of years. She got tired of management drama about two years ago at a hospital that's pretty close to our home and took a position back in patient care to get out of the management crap. She was there a few months, and there was a management shakeup there, and they have asked her if she would take over the manager position until they could hire a replacement. It was no surprise that they just ended up asking her to stay on, and she agreed. This was a while before COVID started. The insanity began, and as time went on, the info came out about the PCR test being bogus, and I tried explaining it to her, and she looked at me like I had two heads. This should have been a huge red flag, but I gave her some slack. She never stood up for herself about anything. She agreed to wear a mask, and still does to this day, at work. We split up for about three weeks last August but worked things out. During the, br during the break, she decided to take the jab, and I was heartbroken but not surprised. Then her mom took them. So far, I believe they both have had two shots. About two months ago, her mom felt horrible, felt horrible, and we went over to check on her. She was nauseous and had thrown up, no appetite, and extremely weak. She felt better that day, but the next day she started feeling worse and the girlfriend took her to a branch of our local hospital. They gave her some fluids and tested her, and wouldn't you know, and wouldn't you know it, COVID. Or at least that's what the quote-unquote test said. She's now recovered and feels normal. Her family has a history of heart issues, and my now ex-girlfriend has heart issues, high blood pressure, and a thyroid issue. And thyroid issues. Over the, last, over the past six months, she started acting odd. Total personality shift. Clearly not the person she was a year ago or so. We did have communication issues, but this is different. Her personality is totally different. I don't even recognize her anymore. I've started taking far better care of myself over the past few months. I'm down 15 pounds, and I swear she found them. This is not an exact quote, but she said something to the effect of, quote, I'm going to do whatever I want and enjoy my life before I die, unquote. She is eating everything that's not nailed down, going out with friends. She did start drinking, but not much. 
just here and there. I'm going to speculate here, but I bet she'd found some info somewhere from someone she trusts and realized that these shots, what these shots are doing to many people. Considering both her and her mom have at least two shots, and there's no telling her, telling what her other three sisters and their families have done. But they all asked if she thought the shots were safe, and she said yes. I have no idea how many of her other family members have taken shots, but even if it's just her and her mom, I can't imagine the guilt and anxiety she must be carrying around. She's been going off on me for the smallest things over the past few months, and it all came to a head two weeks ago, and that's when she said she couldn't be with me any longer. She went to the local Ford dealership about six weeks ago and ordered a new Mustang and customized it how she wanted. She changed jobs, although still doing the same thing, just at a different hospital. So, new job, new car, got rid of the boyfriend, and is doing everything she wants. I'd almost call that a midlife crisis. Anyway, just thought I thought you'd appreciate hearing about an, yet another person who may be dealing with personality issues after taking the shots. The crazy thing is, I'm the only one who sees it. Feel free to get back to me anytime. I've thought to myself that maybe our separation is God removing me from the situation. He doesn't want me to experience the loss of either her or her mom. Thanks for all your insight, Sean. Sean, I always look forward to the show. Unquote. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I emailed him back. And I said, thank you for the email. You know, it's heartbreaking. This is something I'm certain that countless people are experiencing. And we know that the side effects from these jabs are creating personality shifts in people. Real chemical imbalances, real real change in people's behavior. I would go so far as to say that's borderline bipolar disorder. Um, throwing caution to the wind, talking in ways that they've never talked before, behaving in ways that they've never behaved before, the irrational spending on things of that nature. You know, if I die, I die. So what? Who cares? The callous nature that's occurring among the cognitive dissonant when it comes to these shots is astounding to me. I can't tell you how many jab people myself that I've heard people say, well, I don't care if I die, whatever, I'm not afraid of death. It's like, well, that's fine, but that's not solving the problem. The problem is, is your inability to see what you've done to yourself. And again, his ex-girlfriend may may know what she's officially done to herself, and may not care. That's reckless and dangerous also. And these ladies and gentlemen are some of the people in the healthcare industry. That should, that should, <laughs> oh my God, that should panic even more people, and that should make me, people even more cautious about wanting to go to a doctor's office or wanting to go to um, a hospital. I mean, good Lord. We've got to do whatever we can to stay away from these places because, again, if people like that are making decisions like that and they're responsible for filling out charts and popping information into a computer, who's to say it's accurate and who's to say they're doing what they need to be doing? There's certainly an awful lot there, and I'm glad that they've distanced themselves from what is clearly an unhealthy person. And, again, 
if you're listening, you know, again, thank you for the email. And I'm glad you're taking care of yourself and you've recognized this kind of behavior as being remarkably toxic and remarkably unhealthy. That kind of stuff rubs off on us and uh, can certainly make us remarkably unhealthy in the process as well. So bravo, bravo for recognizing it and bravo for, for walking away from it. And yeah, I mean, we can still pray for these individuals that they get better and take care of themselves, but, you know, the damage has been done in many of these cases, and it's remarkably unfortunate. Uh, Again, staying with the jab-related stuff here, here's another email that was sent to me by a listener, and it comes from bakersfield.com, and it's titled, CDC eases guidance in line with N." CLA's lawsuit about natural immunity. Now, what was interesting about the business of natural immunity at the beginning of all of this is that Anthony Fauci in the endless videos exist, even dating back into the 1990s, where he would say, you don't need to take shots. You, you know, your natural immunity should be able to handle it and you'll be fine. Of course, they were all given orders and they all followed those orders that the shots somehow trump natural immunity in any way. Um, I would go so far as to say that I think that these, that quote unquote COVID as it is, as, you know, as it's known, I should say, is also not what people perceive it to be. Again, this is not some virus because viruses don't exist. This is not some illness that travels around in the air because that's ridiculous. That's science fiction nonsense. It, It most likely originated as, again, a chemical shot that people were given back in 2019. Could have been the flu shots, could have been worse than that. Something else that was concocted either here in the United States and then over to Wuhan, China, and then God knows where else. And then, of course, those individuals get around other people and make them ill. And then those people have disrupted immune systems and disrupted cells in their body, and then they get around people and make them ill just through electromagnetism, as you've heard me say a million times. But I, would, I, I wonder whether or not this natural immunity thing regarding this is even possible because of the weaponized, the weaponized factor of it. If it's a biological weapon, what's keeping these individuals from getting sick over and over and over again the more that they come in contact with people who continue to take shots? And continue to get jabbed. Now, again, this is a civil lawsuit, apparently, um, and I'm going to read through this here briefly. But you know, it's optimistic when it comes to the business of lawsuits. I just wonder how far is this really going to take us, and and whether or not this is really going to be the long term or even short term answer. So it says the following quote: Washington D.C., August 12th, Globe Newswire. The new Civil Liberties Alliance filed its first lawsuit challenging vaccine mandates over a year ago on behalf of George Mason University law professor Todd Zwicky. I'm saying that right? This week, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention finally filed the science and acknowledged that the scientific fact that NCLA has defined all along, defended rather, all along, it makes no sense to treat people who are naturally immune to COVID-19 differently from those who have been vaccinated against the virus. Again, the, the problem with these lawsuits is that they aren't bringing up the truth of the fact that viruses aren't real. They're still basing themselves on lies. 
which is going to continuously be problematic. Until we can bring into a court of law that viruses aren't real and show them the historic proof that that's the case, um, you know, we're, we're kind of spinning our wheels, I think, to some extent. But again, you need lawyers that are willing to do this and take this up from an absolute truth perspective, and then judges that are willing to listen. And ultimately, you know, it is the judge that you basically have to teach and, and get to relearn this information in order to take any of it seriously. I want to skip to the bottom here because a member of the council made this statement, which I think is, is good. But again, time will tell on a lot of this. But it says the following. It says, quote, from the very beginning, NCLA challenged discrimination against the naturally immune by the government and employers. We consulted top scientists and poured over million, uh, multiple studies, which all confirmed that natural immunity is at least as effective as a vaccine. Unf again, it's not a vaccine. Unfortunately, it's too late for tens of thousands of Americans who lost their livelihoods for merely exercising their constitutional rights to bodily autonomy by declining an experimental vaccine, not a vaccine, that was medically unnecessary for them. CDC should apologize to all naturally immune Americans who were coerced into getting vaccinated or fired because of the agency's deceptive, irrational, unscientific guidance, and employers should rehire those workers immediately. Again, the Rubicon has been, has been, uh, has been passed here. It's been crossed. W again, what individual would want to go back to an environment that treated them so poorly? I mean, then you're talking about, again, Stockholm Syndrome, the cycle of abuse. It's been brought up here a gazillion times. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about that individual then having to um, ignore all, everything that they've experienced over the last couple of years and, and, and the way that they've been treated over the last couple of years. An apology from the CDC? Is that what we really want? Do we want to hear them say they're sorry? That's not going to cut it. That won't cut it. Um, you know, there's other quotes here again from, from the law firm. Look, I'm optimistic about stuff like this. I truly am. But these half measures aren't going to cut it. They just won't. And uh, I wish they would take a firmer stance and get down to the crux of the issue. But as I've said before, it's a perfect cr it is the perfect crime. Because you're talking about individuals that don't know the depth of the lie. They just think the CDC was lying and that this business of natural immunity uh, not being a thing was a lie. It's, it's deeper than that. It's far deeper than that. Here's another one. I love these website names too, by the way. They're absolutely hilarious. This is downthechupacabrahole.com. It says the following, quote, is childhood dementia a cover story for vaccine-induced brain prions? The answer, of course, is yes. It's a lengthy article, but I'll, I'll get right through it here as, as quickly as I can. It's very good. Since 2001, a, delu a deluge rather, of inexplicable health ailments and untimely deaths have swept across the planet with each passing day. Increasingly common coincidences, quote-unquote, Continue rapidly manifest. Manifesting? I don't know. A regional uh, hospital had more than a dozen doctors suddenly die in only two weeks. 
Professional athletes in optimal physical fitness are dropping like flies. High-profile celebrities have publicly announced rare medical diagnoses. Never-before-seen hepatitis is appearing worldwide. Now mainstream media outlets are highlighting a previously unheard-of disease, childhood dementia. Some researchers believe this is an intentional predictive programming strategy intended to normalize surging neurological disorders. And then they highlight uh, about four of them here. Titles, Boy 6 with Rare Disease Described as Alzheimer's Mixed with Parkinson's Fierce Treatment for Condition Will Never Arrive. Another one, What to Know About Childhood Alzheimer's. Another one, Seven-Year-Old's Childhood Dementia, quote-unquote, Leaves Her in Constant Pain, Unable to Speak. That was from a year ago. I'm sorry, that was from uh, last month. And then Childhood's Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's Understanding This Rare Condition. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this article, again, is, is, is on point. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as childhood Alzheimer's or childhood dementia. These are the categorized intentional effects of these shots. No doubt about it. It says, a peer-reviewed article published in the Microbiology and Infectious Disease Scientific Journal shares some concerning revelations regarding coronavirus immunizations. Titled COVID-19 RNA-based vaccines and the risk of prion disease, the paper suggests Pfizer's mRNA elixir may trigger fatal diseases such as, no chance I get that, similar to mad cow disease. Um, Kreutzfeldt Jacob, if I'm saying that right. It then says author J. Bart Klassen, medical doctor, states, quote, the NRA sequence of the vaccine as well as the spike protein target interaction were, were analyzed for the potential to convert intracellular RNA binding proteins, TAR DNA binding protein, TDP-43, is fused in sarcoma, FUS, into their pathologic prion conformations. These results indicate that the vaccine RNA has specific sequences that may include DDP43 and FUS to fold into their pathological prion conformations. The folding DDP43 and FUS into their pathological prion conformations is known to cause ALS. Front temporal lobar degeneration, Alzheimer's disease, and other neurological degenerative diseases. Irreversible damage to the brain, so on and so forth. Okay. Dementia, confusion, difficulty speaking, fatigue, hallucinations, impaired mobility. There's no doubt about it. Even the individuals, again, who are walking around believing that they've had COVID, which isn't a thing, doesn't exist are experiencing the ill effects of the shots. So when they say they have brain fog, well, yeah, because of the shots and because of the shedding from the shots. So it's not this uh, mysterious, invisible thing called COVID that people refer to as a virus, which again doesn't exist. It's just poison inside of the bloodstream. Not to mention, you recall, perhaps, uh, those Pfizer documents, the court-ordered released Pfizer documents from a while back that I, that I went over, the first five in their long list of adverse intentionals, as I would call them, 
are all brain related. All of it has to do with the brain and the disintegration of the brain, so to speak. So, yeah, not getting better. And uh, children are not free from this, as we know. Again, this comes from Zero Hedge. Just the other day, CDC announces overhaul after botching pandemic. You know, uh, I'm not going to read the article, but these people can apologize all they'd like and say, well, we're changing things for the better. And don't worry, you know, things are going to get better. They're creating new booster shots for people already. These companies are rolling out a quote unquote new line of booster shots. Even the whack jobs on Fox News are consistently coming on and talking about this. I actually saw a, just a snippet of a special report with Brett Bayer just the other day. Even he was essentially saying, and he was saying to Dr. Mark Siegel, by the way, who is a criminal of the highest order and should have all of his previous statements replayed for him because he's a monster, this guy. This was the guy who on Tucker Carlson's show, I brought this up at the time when it happened, but on Tucker Carlson's show was suggesting that children in school wear a badge on their, uh, a pin on their shirt that says that they are vaccinated or unvaccinated and that he recommends that they do that. He said this with a straight face. And Tucker Carlson looked at him with that Tucker Carlson face that he makes uh, with complete bewilderment. And even Tucker Carlson blatantly disagreed with him at the time. Dr. Mark Siegel's a nutcase. He's an absolute nutcase. Even now, he's, push he's still pushing the vaccines, which aren't vaccines. They're bioweapons. Even now, he's talking about how promising it is that in the future, they're going to have new boosters and that uh, a year from now, they hope to have a booster shot that fights against the Omicron variant, which isn't real. You see, these people are so far, these, I'm sorry for yelling. These people are so far gone that they'll never know which way is up. Not a single one of them is ever going to figure it out. Only death is going to bring them the clarity that they lack on earth in their, in their current physical state. I'm not calling for their death. I'm simply saying that once we die, we're granted clarity. They don't have it now, and they're not interested in it because, again, even they don't understand the depth of the lie. Blows me away. I thought this was cool, though, and this right here, too. Again, anybody reporting on, on stories just like this one, these mainstream media outlets reporting on stories like this, they have to be eating humble pie at a rate that is causing them to choke. Uh, this comes from Gateway Pundit, former Washington State coach Nick Rolovich, if I'm saying his last name right, files $25 million lawsuit after he was fired for refusing the COVID jab. I'm not going to get into the article. It's self-explanatory. That's a pure blood. That's a winner right there, which means Everybody around that person who's jabbed and everybody reporting on this story has to be asking themselves, just making that one degree shift in their thinking, to think to themselves, wait a minute, this guy got fired for refusing to take these shots. So 
I went along with it, so what does that mean for me? See, many of them I don't think are even making that leap. They're, they're simply commenting not on the poisonous nature of the jabs, and these news outlets like Fox aren't doing that by and large. They're not doing it. And they're not doing it at the rate they should be doing it. The stance that they are taking is the quote-unquote constitutional stance that no, people shouldn't have been coerced and no, they shouldn't have lost their jobs if they didn't want to take it. And that's the stance we're going to take. They're not taking it further than that. And they're not taking it deeper than that, which is, it's a biological weapon. You all, as an organization and a media outlet with all your hosts, you all pushed it. You pushed it on everybody. They're not making that leap because that's a mirror that is just too big. I'll never forget Ainsley Earhart on Fox News saying, and I'm quoting her, just get vaccinated, you'll feel better. I heard her say it. I watched her say it on Fox and Friends in the morning. This again was back in 2021. Absolutely nuts. And then she goes, I got vaccinated. I just feel safer. Do you? Do you? Because now you're barren and you have dementia. (laughs) And you're going to die. So how's that working out? This is the leap that people aren't going to be able to make. These people in in these news organizations, they have no idea what they've done. And they're, again, I, don't, I just don't think they're going to learn. Even some of their old colleagues and old co- uh, co-workers have, have gotten sick and died. Uma Pemaraju being one of them. I remember her from back in the day. She was in her early 60s. She's dead. Just randomly. Wasn't a car accident. It wasn't a skydiving mishap. But they didn't say how or why she died. Again, we can take a guess. We can take a guess. She was probably double jabbed, maybe triple jabbed, and that was the end of it. So even their own coworkers are dropping dead, or fo- former coworkers, and and they aren't they aren't making the connections. But again, like I've said, we can't expect them to actually make these connections on air. They're certainly not going to, because an apology won't suffice. Or you know, we're so sorry we got it wrong. You know, whatever else. Again, this is, the, this is the deadly nature of the hive mind, which is why as many people as humanly possible have got to just turn off these brainwashing machines, turn off these brainwashing devices. Okay, on to education stuff. This was sent to me by Jesse James from the Dangerous Info, Info Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this one is jacked up. This is jacked up. Because I actually had to look up specifically what this machine is, and you're not going to believe what the Oxford High School has decided to do in an effort to decrease the likelihood of a school shooting or school violence, or students bring, bringing weapons to school. Talk about a police state. Talk about sur- a surveillance program to the nth degree here. And of course, they're spending this either district money, CARES Act money, or even donation funds on these devices. This comes from DetroitNews.com, and it's titled, Biometric Scanning Kiosks Added to High School Entrances, District Says. So I had to look up what biometric scanning kiosks were. Um, 
And then I saw the picture and I went, oh yeah, okay. They're basically, if you've ever done any international traveling, I've only done it a few times, but this, um, they're basically like those passport machines where you lay your passport on, on a scanner screen. It takes a picture of your passport. And then you look into a camera on a screen that's facing you and you stand there. And then of course it, it takes your photograph or they'll even have fingerprint deals where you, again, you stick your hand underneath the thing and it scans your entire hand and and your fingerprints. This is what Oxford High School has decided to do as a remedy for four students being shot to death by Ethan Crumbly. I mean, what next? Free chicken sandwiches for everybody? Because that makes as much sense as this. This is a surveillance state. And it's, I mean, it's officially a testing ground. Let's not kid ourselves with that either. They're doing this so that they can spread it other places also. The article says the following. Here we go. Quote, biometric scanner kiosks are being installed at three entrances at Oxford High School this week as part of the school district's beefed up response to school security in the wake of November 30th uh, school shooting that killed four students and injured seven other people. Oxford Community Schools schools officials held a a teletown hall Monday night. (laughs) Teletown. Ridiculous. Uh, For parents and the community to share details of their three-year recovery plan that addresses new safety and school security, mental health, social-emotional learning, staff wellness and retention, and other measures. It's, it's, it's shit creek, ladies and gentlemen. They're, they're paddling down shit creek, and they don't have a paddle. This is incredible. Uh, killed in the attacks was Hannah St. Juliana 14, Madison Baldwin, Tate Meyer, and Justin Schilling. The school has about 1,650 students in classes the day of the shooting, along with about 100 teachers and staff. Uh, School officials said installation of the kiosks is scheduled for Thursday. Parents can get a close look at the machines Monday inside the high school before classes begin on August 25th. Oh, God. Here we go. Quote, parents can see those in action and see what they do and do not active on, unquote, said Jim Lemon, Lemond, assistant superintendent on Monday. What they do and do not active on? I'm hoping that was a, a typo and not a speaking error. Oh, uh, wow. The district said it will use a weapon detection dog for service at the high school with its own district handler by September and will have night lock safety shades on door windows in classrooms by first day of school. Night lock safety shades on door windows. Okay. So what? Again, this this whole fiasco with, with Oxford High School could have been eliminated if a counselor did his job and if a Dean of Students and Dean of Discipline did their job. That's all they had to do. Search his bag, arrest him, send him home, expel him. 
That's all they had to do. And no, it's not one of those will and hindsight, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. Hindsight's 50-50. No, that's not it. That's not it. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with doing what you're contractually obligated to do. It has to do with not being some political goon with an ideology of, don't worry, Ethan, we're here for you. What what did that get people in that school? It got four people dead and, and, and boatloads of PTSD for everybody else. Absolutely nuts. It continues. It says the district already is using a private security company to provide trained armed personnel in every school building, has installed digital ID readers for student entry at the high school, and hired a second school resource officer. For the love of God, it sounds like a prison. It's more of a prison now than it's ever been. That's their solution. It's not getting rid of bad people. It's not getting rid of the political ideologues. That's not their solution. Their solution is government. Their solution is a military state. And turning their already prison school system where one of the perps on the inside went into gen pop and started blowing people away, into more of that, more of a security state. Now they've got bars on the doors, you know, bars on the windows. (laughs) Honest to God. It continues to test zero eyes, quote unquote, in artificial intelligence-based gun detection software at the high school on 30 cameras. Paired with existing surveillance cameras inside and outside the school and monitored by former military personnel. Because I'm sure that that's going to, that's going to work out all of the time. See that kid there? Scoop him up. Throw him into the special room. And then they randomly grab a kid and, and toss him into a room and search him. Is that a violation of your rights? Yes. What if they don't find anything? What if they don't find a gun or a knife based on this surveillance practice that they now have called zero eyes? What happens then? Honestly, do do they just look at them like the CDC does and just go, well, we're sorry. We're sorry. Back to class. (laughs) I mean, is this a learning environment? Is this really an environment where a person is supposed to learn anything relating to the truth whatsoever? Unbelievable. Uh, it then says the system can alert, alert rather authorities to the presence of a gun carried in plain sight within seconds. Oh, that's not going to work out. There are going to be so many false calls on this. It's going to be remarkably embarrassing. I bet the I bet the success rate or the failure I bet the failure rate is going to outweigh the success rate without a doubt. The district plans to increase the number to 80 to 100 cameras by September. Zero Eye software was installed in March, and monitoring on Oxford High School's cameras began on April 13. The software will remain in place through June of 2023, Lamond said. Oxford also requires. Uh, middle school and high school students to continue using clear backpacks. You heard me mention that before. 
based on student survey results which showed students still wanted them, school officials said. Because, you know, the inmates should run the asylum. The meeting lasted about 90 minutes. School officials said they are planning in-person opportunities in September and October for district parents and Oxford High School students to share their input on how things are going. Honest to, honest to God. What is happening? Can someone help me with that? I mean, what the hell is happening here? What is going on? Why does anybody attending an environment like this think that this is normal and or okay? Does this sound normal to anyone listening to this? I mean, if you're listening to this show, I'm certain your answer is no. And thank you for listening again. I'm going to thank you all again. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. But this is nuts. This is nuts. Gun-sniffing dogs, biometric surveillance kiosks, clear backpacks, military personnel surveying all of this, ex-military. Ladies and gentlemen, this is their response to a school shooting that actually happened. This one happened. Not Uvalde. No, no, no. Not, not that one. That one was fake. This one was real, and this is their response. This should terrify everybody, whether you send your kids to school buildings or not. Because if, if you live in a town or a city where schools are doing this in your town or city, um, it's a childhood prison. It's a mining camp. It's training these children into believing that, again, this is normal and this is okay. And they're going to grow up believing that. And that is, um, that's a generational problem that's just going to reverberate throughout the decades to come, I'm afraid. Unless, of course, the whole system collapses before then. And pray to God it does. Uh, here's the next one. This was making the rounds also. And I have a different take on this one. Uh, I, I fully understand, again, that a lot of people would see this at face value and say, good for them. You know, it's a step in the right direction. Again, I'm an abolitionist on this, on this issue of education. The, the, the public school apparatus, much like the FBI, CIA, IRS, they, they should not be reformed or dismantled. These are band-aids on a gushing artery. It's like putting a sticker on a leak on a dam. It's, it's not going to solve the problem. It looks like it's solving the problem. You know, take back your local governments, and then everybody goes, yeah. I, I just don't know if that's going to do it. Because again, you know, new boss, same as the old boss mentality. And then, of course, years down the line, what ends up happening? Do we see, again, another full reversal? This comes from Madison, Wisconsin, madison.com, and it's titled, Wisconsin School Board Approves Pride Flag Ban. Again, good for them. I think that's a good thing. It'd be even better if uh, the superintendent, the school board, and everybody got rid of the teachers that were fighting back against this. 
because that's your real problem. Your real problem is not just the Marxist stickers and flags and all of that un-American and, and fascist nonsense that exists. It, it's not, I mean, that's a big problem, but it's the people that create the behaviors. Behaviors do not exist on their own as an individual entity. You need a human or a monster to inhabit that behavior. Those are the people that have to be gotten rid of. So I hope they have a policy in place before I read this very quickly. I hope they have a policy in place to get rid of the people who refuse to follow along or the people who become belligerent in the classroom and say, well, now I'm not allowed to hang my pride flag. Doesn't that make you angry and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's going to create so much conflict in an environment that's supposed to be free of conflict. Again, the homeschooling children in our country are leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else, and they are laughing their tails off. Which leads me to a, another story here at the end, which was another excellent email I received from a listener regarding the kinds of books that were in their local library in the town where they live. And they homeschool uh, their children, which is great. But the books that they were sending me pictures of the books, and the books are as awful as you would, as you would think. But I'll get to that next. Uh, okay, this says, this is from Wales, quote, the Kettle Moraine School Board voted in favor of a policy that prohibits teachers and staff from displaying gay pride flags and other items that district officials consider political in nature. Says the board voted Tuesday to keep a code of conduct in place that the superintendent recently interpreted as forbidding district employees from displaying political or religious messages, including pride flags and Black Lives Matter and We Back the Badge signs. Staff also may not say in emails what their preferred pronouns are. I think that one's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's funny. If it says he, she, or, you know, he, hers, or hers, hers, she, or whatever the shit, you know, if it says, if it says all of that, that's just awesome. They'll, hopefully they receive a reply email that says, <laughs> delete your pronouns. This is just nuts. Uh, Superintendent Stephen Plum recently told the board that the district's interpretation of a policy that prohibits staffers from using their positions to promote partisan politics, religious views, and propaganda for personal, monetary, or non-monetary gain changed after a legal analysis. Jim Romanowski was the only board member to vote against the ban saying he changed his mind about the policy after hearing from students and staff. There you go. Most of those who spoke at Tuesday's packed board meeting opposed the policy. The public comment period was capped at an hour despite a call from the crowd to extend it. Quote, if you have a policy that says nothing political, does that mean you can't have a sign up that says support our troops or believe women? or save the planet. By some people's definitions, all of those things are political, said Christine Donahue, an attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union of Wisconsin. Donahue said she's looking closely at the policy and a similar one approved last fall by the school district in nearby Wakasha. No chance I got that right. Uh, sorry for getting it wrong. Wakusha, Wakusha, Wisconsin? I don't know. 
Uh, it really looks like targeted attacks at specific viewpoints like LGBT communities. There you go, play the victim. Or welcome and safe spaces to students of color. There you go, play the race card too while you're at it. Uh, you know, the, the gay card, the race card, both are played, two of a kind, uh, matching pair. More than 13,000 people have signed an online petition opposing the Kettle Moraine policy. The, peti- the petition was launched by two local high school students. There you go, Bethany Pro- Provan and Britt Farrar. Excellent. Quote, having a rainbow flag in your room isn't pushing your beliefs on someone, unquote, Provan told WITI-TV. Quote, it's just saying, hey, you're welcome here, and we support you, unquote. I tell you what, I'm going to have a nosebleed. I'm going to have a stroke and a nosebleed after, after reading that. These students, who, who, who gave these students the right to run the asylum? Who thinks this is okay? Having the flag doesn't mean we're pushing it on you. No, it doesn't. It means you're welcome here and we support you. Well, fantastic. Then wave a don't tread on me flag because that means I'm not pushing my beliefs on you. It means, hey, you're welcome here. We support you. That's what it means. These people are double-jabbed, triple-jabbed, and brain-dead. They've lost it. Again, that's the spectrum of insanity right there. They're on one end of the spectrum. And yet, in the opposite direction, the homeschooling family is having a blast. They're having a blast. They're learning how to read. They're learning the truth. Maybe they're gardening. Maybe they're outside taking a nap under a tree with a good book. These kinds of things. Not over on the other end of the spectrum, though. On the other end of the spectrum, it's, hey, just because we wave an Antifa flag doesn't mean we're pushing our beliefs on you. Honest to shit. These people have lost their minds. This is unfixable if that's a word. You can't fix this. You can't fix this. Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, I just, I just scrolled down to the, to, to, the, to the bottom of this article. Listen to these headlines. Listen to these. This is from Madison, Wisconsin, or it's still the same Madison.com website. Listen to these headlines. I'm just going to ring them off here. The first one says, Schools receive less money for special education as costs rise and parents struggle. The next one, Madison School District down 141 teachers three weeks out from the first day of school. The next one, Madison Day Camp brought together uh, arts and canoeing, whatever. The next one, death threats and resignations. Wisconsin schools see pushback against LGBTQ inclusivity. It's amazing. Madison police propose stationing neighborhood officers around four main high schools. Madison School District, students, student masking optional this year. 
Dane County schools had nearly 650 job openings a month from start of school year. This is, this is incredible. It's collapsing. It's right in front of our faces, right here. It's collapsing. The inmates are running the asylum. The entire thing is falling to the ground. Absolutely remarkable. Here is, uh, here's, the, here's the email and the books that were sent to me by a listener. I, I want to read off these titles so you know what books, of course, to stay away from. Pretty self-explanatory, actually, because uh, these books pretty much give themselves away based on their titles alone. But um, they were shocked that their local library was carrying these as she was bringing her young children into the library to find things to read. And she said the following here. She said, good afternoon. I have two boys, five and almost four. First, we will be homeschooling. That was established even before they were born. They love going to the library to get books and videos to borrow, which I will continue to do until they are able to read. These are some of these new children's books on display. It makes my blood boil as they try to push this shit on our innocence. The first book is titled Sparkle Boy. And it's a picture of a boy wearing a tutu with sparkles on it by, uh, I can't see the first name, something Newman. Leslie Newman, something. Sparkle Boy. There you go. Here's the next one they took a picture of. Love is Love by Fleur, I don't know, Peretz? I'm not even sure. Love is Love. That's great. Here's the next one. Uh, All Are Come, I'm sorry, All Are Welcome is the next book. Again, Hard to tell, but it's uh, bizarre nonetheless. The next one, Speak Up, Teaching Children to Be Little Activists, I'm Sure, by Miranda Paul, illustrated by Ebony Glenn. Uh, Let's see. Here's one by Ashley Simpo titled A Kid's Book About Divorce. That's nice. Next one, Why Do Families Change? Our first talk about separation and divorce. Dr. Jillian Roberts, illustrated by Cindy Revel or Revel. Oh my. See, here's the issue too with a lot of these. The people who are who are checking these books out are people who are openly admitting that they're incapable of being a thinking parent. So they need a book to tell them what to do with their child or how to explain to their child what's going on because they can't do it themselves as an adult. So they have to rely on a children's book to make it relatable to a child, the mistakes that the adults have made and how the child, of course, is downstream of those mistakes and those errors and lack of judgment and whatever else. Ah, Sparkle Boy. Give me a break. Absolutely ridiculous. Should take those books out of the library and burn them. Just throw them all in the trash. I'm checking these all out, thank you. And just dump them. Or, you know, just throw them away inside the actual library. Ugh, yuck. Disgusts me. 
Okay, here's the last one now. This too comes from Missouri, and uh, it is titled, again, this is from fox2now.com, tossed to me by a family member in Missouri. This is titled, Teachers Aren't the Only Ones Leaving Missouri's Education System. Here's two minutes of audio from the local Fox channel. Give this a listen. Heading back to school, several school districts are dealing with new staff or a staffing shortage. And it's not just the teachers who are leaving the field, so are school administrators. As our Missouri Chief Capitol Bureau reporter Emily Manley tells us, more than one-fifth of school districts have a new interim superintendent. We've reported on the shortage of teachers, how Missouri is last in the country for educator pay, and how students were affected by the pandemic. But what about administrators? Heading into this school year, the state faced one of the largest number of openings for superintendents. The position of the superintendent and, for that matter, principals has has always been challenging, even more so now. Of Missouri's 518 school districts, 104 of them spent the summer searching for superintendents. And the last three years dating back to 2019, uh, we had openings in the mid to high 70s. More than half of those openings are due to retirements. Of that 100, uh, 70 plus are in their very first year in their role as superintendent. It's a crucial time in the state's education system. Roughly 25% of all districts are implementing a four-day school week due to a shortage of teachers. Some of the things that I've seen the last few years uh, really have surprised me that five years ago, I would never have believed you if you said, you know, this is going to happen. Doug Heider, executive director of Missouri Association of Administrators, spent 20 years as a superintendent in southwest Missouri. We've seen escalation uh, in school board meetings with parents, school board members. What those that are in that pool of as potential superintendent, they see that stress. They see what kind of issues uh, folks that are in a position are having to deal with. Mike Parnell with the Missouri School Board Association spent 24 years as a school administrator. He now helps districts find superintendents. Parnell says the pandemic became like a snow day every day for superintendents. Comparing to a normal year, you know, the really stressful days were those snow days. Well, now with that COVID, what you could see was it was probably going to be even more stressful every day of the year. Both Hyder and Parnell blame stress for the rapid turnover. Of the 104 superintendent openings, all have been filled, but some with interims. They still don't get it. They still don't get it. I love when these people open their mouths, these people that work for these school districts and these education associations and whatever. Every time they open their mouths, you can hear that they don't get it. They are in the matrix 100%. Not a clue as to what's going on. The one guy who again said, There were two guys that were speaking in that. One was older than the other. But the younger guy who was saying that years ago he wouldn't have imagined something like this. And then, of course, they chopped the video a little bit. But what does he blame based just on what he said in the video? He blames parents blowing up at school board meetings and more school board meeting attendance and voicing their displeasure. Well, why is that? Why is that happening? 
Is it because you're now in the business of rampant child abuse and no one is being held accountable for that? Is it because you're wrong about 100% of what you're doing on a day in and day out basis? Because that's the real answer. But he's perplexed. Well, all of a sudden, we just have a bunch of things that I wouldn't have imagined. Not once does he say, I never would have imagined gagging students on a day-in and day-out basis for something that doesn't exist. I never would have imagined putting up clear uh, facial dividers between people on their desks, between students on their desks, as if that was some sort of a uh, medical prevention device that was going to keep people from being ill. I never would have imagined seeing that, let alone implementing it, because it makes no sense at face value. He didn't say that. They blame stress as being the problem. Everybody's just stressed out, you know, because of COVID. Their answers are dumber than their solutions. Their responses to this entire thing have been equally as dumb as their reactionary response two years ago. And it's not getting better, it's getting worse, because they're not recognizing that they are at fault, that they are to blame. I'm going to keep saying it here. I'm going to keep beating this dead horse. This does not deserve to be reformed or defunded or whatever. It should be eliminated. And, I might add, and this is a good thing, the story highlights that they're losing administrators and superintendents. Now, those administrators and and, and superintendents exist on both ends of the awakening spectrum. Some of them are more awake than others. Some of them are more morally sound than others, by and large. We have to assume that that's that's a factor, that's a variable. You've heard me say again that the position itself implies that they not be awake and that they be compliant individuals to even hold the position. But a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while, and even an administrator and a superintendent are going to leave because they are more morally sound than the environment where they are overwhelmed with a lack of of morality and a lack of values. Um, I find this to continuously be the most fascinating time to be watching this collapse and to just be alive. And again, only by the grace of God do we have the clarity that we have and to be unjabbed and watching this entire thing collapse because we are not in the matrix and we see these people operating inside the matrix and it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And that right there again is its own line of of study that is not existing within the education profession. They're not getting down to the real crux of the matter, as you've heard me bring up in the past. They aren't answering the real questions. I'll take it one step further, and I promise, excuse me, I'll end this episode, even starting to lose my voice. 
these individuals that we're talking in that news report are septuagenarians. These are individuals that are in their 70s, and they're even younger than that. They're in their 60s, and I would assume late 50s. Those two guys were, were older, um, older than me, I should say. My question is this. Who's going to replace those two gentlemen when they retire? Because they look as if they are close to retirement or should have retired a long time ago. Who's going to replace them when their time is up? Who's going to replace them when they quit? Are the morally sound going to take their positions? Or are the politically active radicals more likely to take those positions of quote-unquote influence or power? within the education associations and superintendents and whatever else. The candle's burning at both ends here. The well is drying up. There's nowhere to pick from anymore, which is why they're having to rely again on trying to recruit ex-military and trying to recruit Countless other people and incentivize individuals to come back into the business. Well, we'll give you a $5,000 signing bonus if you just please come back. There's no amount of money that a, morally human that, that a morally sound human being is going to take to bring them back into this crumbling, crumbling business. No chance. It won't happen. I think it's remarkable. And it's just going to keep getting worse. And we're not even into the actual, like, crux of the school year yet. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the telling part about all of this. School has hardly even started all over the United States. It's just rolled back in pieces. It's just now starting to kind of come back. But it's the middle of August. By the time the old homecoming dances come around, it's in, in a month or two, it's going to be chaos because it's already chaos. Now, here's one more, and I alluded to it earlier in the episode. My apologies for forgetting about this, but I, I just remembered, and, and here it is right here. This was a story, again, that was bouncing around from the hill. And again, they kind of hit the nail on the head, but it's not a full strike. And, and I, I need to bring this up because, again, this is the uh, this is the misleading part of these of these pseudo conservative organizations. So it's from thehill.com, and of course at the top it says "Changing America: Shared Destiny, Shared Responsibility." Keep in mind that the Hill was infiltrated a long time ago, and has always sort of been this um, rhino news outlet. They, they they claim to be conservatives, but but they are not. It's titled the following, this article, Nearly 2 million fewer students have enrolled in public school. The pandemic has changed the way children are taught, with more families opting for less traditional forms of schooling. Word usage matters here. Number one, the number 2 million fewer students is incorrect. It's way more than that. Just in the last two years alone, it's far more than that. You've had an 11% increase in homeschooling. You've heard me mention these statistics, and I've referenced these statistics in the past, in, in past episodes. You can't have an 11% increase in homeschooling, and that not be an 11% decrease in the attendance within public, private, and charter schools. 
that's more than 2 million students. So my point is, is that they're capping the number. Now, 2 million is a lot, clearly, but it's, it's far higher than that. And they don't want to make it sound like it's any higher than that. And then, of course, they say in their subtitle, with more families opting for less traditional forms of schooling. Homeschooling is the most traditional form of education and learning, not less traditional. This right here is why they have their priorities backwards. They have their ideologies backwards. They have their history backwards. They have all of it backwards. They don't know the history of education in our country, just like teacher education professors don't know it, just like teacher education students don't know it, just like the vast majority of teachers and administrators in K-12 schools don't know it. They don't teach about the history of homeschooling and how effective it was, or one-room schoolhouses. They don't do that because they can't, because they don't know it, and they don't want the cat out of the bag. So here's the story at a glance, very quickly. It says, a new poll from Education Next, an education policy publication, found that enrollment in public schools has dropped by 4% over the last two years. No, it's 11%. It's, it's probably over 11%. And as you've heard me say again, if it hits 20 or 30%, it's over. We're already seeing it crumble to the ground. But if it goes higher, it's, it's finished. It says that 4% decline, that 4% decline, represents nearly 2 million students. It's higher than that. It says the poll also found that the number of children attending charter schools, private schools, and being homeschooled have gone up. Yes, they have. Um, let's see. Again, these numbers are skewed, but bear with me here. It says almost 2 million students stopped attending public schools between 2020 and 2021, enrollment data shows. In a recent poll from Education Next, district-operated schools lost 4% of their students during those two years with those children enrolling in other types of schooling. In the spring of 2020, 81% of school children in the United States were enrolled in school districts, in district schools rather, according to parental response to the poll. By November of that year, 2020, enrollment in district schools had plummeted to 72%, according to Education Next numbers. Education Next poll crafters acknowledged in a statement that the decline could stem from parents choosing to remove their children from district schools to charter schools or private schools, but the decline could also be linked to parents not knowing how to define their children's school when learning was done mostly online. Last spring, district school enrollment bounced back up to 77%, and enrollment has hovered at that rate since then, according to the publication's most recent poll. That percentage drop means that almost 2% of, uh, sorry, 2 million students have left the traditional public school for either a charter or private or to be homeschooled. Poll findings show that three other schooling alternatives have seen bumps in enrollment numbers. In 2022, private school enrollment kicked up to 10% compared to 8% in the spring of 2020. 
and the number of U.S. children attending charter school went up from 5% to 7% over the same period. Well, that's, a, that, that's an even larger percentage then that are homeschooling as opposed to just going to a private school or a charter school. More children appear to be taking their coursework at home, the poll found. Yep. Over the past two years, the portion of the country's students being homeschooled bumped from, seven, from 6 to 7%, which represents a doubling from the 2016 numbers. It's higher than that. It's over 11%, without a doubt. And again, the only reason that some students returned from learning at home to going back to school was because their parents are locked in the matrix and they have to believe that the public school system can be changed from the inside or changed from the outside with calls to change it and that they have to rely on these systems as a pseudo daycare for their child. I've said it before, the homeschooling families laughing their tails off right now. The homeschooling students are laughing their tails off. They're having an absolute blast. They know what's going on. They're being told what's going on. They're learning about what's going on. And they're learning to stay away from these environments permanently. This collapse is of historic proportions. And again, we're right here at the beginning of the school year, and in many cases, the school, the school year formally hasn't even started for many of these places, for many of these public schools. They're just now starting to go back. Let the chaos continue, ladies and gentlemen. It's absolutely remarkable. Have a great weekend. I'll catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.